1: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We begin on Tuesday with a regular guest. Now, Professor Paul Moyni is head of the Department of Biology and director of the Human Health Research Institute at Minuthe University. And we are going to talk COVID for the next few minutes. Afternoon, Paul. Hi, Gary. Good the chance. Good to chat to you too. Hey, I want to ask you something. You probably know this fella, Professor Jerry Colleen. Was it him, the man in the mask, on the Tonight Show last That's night? Right, what, yeah, did you, yeah, yeah. what did you, what did you, what did you make of it? I felt it. God, I felt it strange that the other guest was there, and Matt Cooper, and yet he was there wearing the mask. Was he? Was he making a point, or would? Is this the way of the future?
0: I, I think he obviously feels very strongly in terms of the mask, uh, an important part in terms of limiting the transmission of the virus. I think most people would probably accept that. Not so much that it protects you if you're wearing a mask, but it probably limits the transmission of these droplets, you know, that the virus is usually transmitted in. Um, so, And certainly I would say, Gerry, in public places, especially where distancing isn't possible, I think it's a good idea. And obviously we've been recommended to wear them in public places. But maybe, I think in small settings where you can achieve that social distancing, I think it's probably less, uh, less required. So, but obviously, you know, Jerry felt, you know, the need to, to, to wear it and maybe make a statement and to emphasize, yeah, that we should be thinking about this.
1: Yeah, it may be the the norm in certain situations, as you say, for the future. It certainly made an impact on me and I was just thinking, well, they need to design them. And I actually saw this morning, Paul, they're looking at designing ones now with a clear path around the mouth area that it's not, you know, covering so much of the face. It's covered, if you know what I mean, but you can see through.
0: Yeah, and some people have suggested actually instead of masks, maybe face shields would be better because that would actually provide, you know, a full physical barrier. Now, it wouldn't obviously... You know, uh, interfere in terms of there'll be still airflow around the side and and the bottom. But, you know, there are now, there there haven't been any studies, I don't think, as of yet, comparing the Mm. relative effectiveness of masks versus shields. And obviously, in healthcare, uh, where healthcare workers are working very closely with infected uh, patients, Mm. they would use masks, respiratory masks, and face shields to protect them because obviously that protects the virus from getting access to the eyes. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, but it's certainly something, I think, if you look at the countries that have been very, very successful in terms of dealing with the virus, uh, it wouldn't be unusual for those countries to have adopted very early on mass uh, mask wearing. Mm.
1: The uh, search for a vaccine, we've touched on it most weeks. I want to come back to one. AstraZeneca and the University of Oxford, they're forging ahead with a genetically changed and weakened version of the common cold virus, God, it'd be something else if this were the one, Paul.
0: Yeah, so that technology is called a viral vector vaccine. So there's different ways of making a vaccine. Some of the vaccines represent just taking the protein, some protein from the virus and administering that as as a vaccine. But what they've done is that they've actually taken uh, one of the genes from the SARS coronavirus 2 and they've put it into another virus. So this is called a viral vector. And this viral vector is and it's called an adenovirus. So it's it's a virus that has been changed. The adenovirus can cause uh, colds, but it's been changed in such a way that it doesn't replicate. So it's the normal adenovirus, when it gets into cells and infects cells, it can replicate. But this has been changed so that it doesn't replicate. So it's a non-replicating virus. So then when that is given and you put the gene from the SARS coronavirus to and you use that as a vaccine, the gene will make one of the proteins from the SARS coronavirus 2 and then your immune system will recognise that and make antibodies against it. And they've just uh, released uh, results showing actually that uh, certainly in monkeys, this is showing good protection, good protection from disease, not so much in terms of totally protecting against infection. So monkeys that received this vaccine and then were challenged with the virus you could still detect virus uh, in the nose. So it wasn't what we would describe as sterilising immunity. Sterilising immunity would be completely prevent infection by the virus. But certainly in terms of dampening down and um, protecting against disease, it was quite promising, but not sterilising immunity, where there's another vaccine developed by a group and a company in China, Sinovac, and they've proposed, they've done similar studies, and they've suggested not only does it protect from disease but it also gives sterilising immunity and protects against infection.
1: Mm. Now you mentioned monkeys there and obviously this has to go through a stringent process but can I ask you this is it ethical to infect human volunteers which many are going to do now to speed up the development of a vaccine?
0: Yeah so one of the problems now facing with it in terms of evaluating if the vaccines work is that and you can see it here in Ireland the number of positive cases with the virus is greatly, greatly reduced. So to really have to begin to look at countries, you know, where the numbers are really, really high. And normally as part of that trial, a certain number of people would get the vaccine, a certain people, number of people would not. And then you would follow over time in terms of the percentage of those populations that would end up with the uh, virus. But if the numbers are very, very low, it's very difficult to do those studies and we've already had some trials, for example, on one of the antivirals in China, and that had to be terminated because the RAN actually ran out of patients and didn't have enough numbers. So in terms of evaluating the vaccine, an alternative to that is these challenge-based studies where you actually give the virus. Now, it's not, it's not straightforward. Now, this has been done before with respect to trying to develop new vaccines against other viruses. But normally, when it's done, the virus that is given, you've got some treatment. For the virus, mm. so the person doesn't get sick or isn't put at very significant risk. Whereas, obviously, with the SARS coronavirus, too, we know that some populations and uh, some cohorts of people are very vulnerable. Um, so, it's not without its risks, Jerry, but certainly, I would say within the next year, you're probably going to see some of those challenge based studies uh, being started.
1: Mm. The vaccine, let's hope it is found at some stage. Two pronged question. Should it be made compulsory and, you know, the anti-vaxxers, their views on it? I'm sure I've, I'm hearing some of them already.
0: So in order for it to work, so it's not a case that everybody has to have, but you obviously need a, bit, like a big uptake. So normally, in the same way that we've spoken before, Derry, about maybe a certain number of the population being exposed to the virus and ending up with herd immunity, and that needs to be 60%. So normally we talk about herd immunity in the context of a vaccine, and really, you need good uptake of the vaccine. So you need, I would say, sixty to eighty percent of the population to be, um, to, be to, to to take the vaccine. So I'm not sure sure in terms of the ethics and if that could be, you know, legally imposed. Mm. Uh, but certainly, there should be. You know, I, I would obviously be a big proponent in terms of and um, supporter of, of vaccines and how they've worked in terms of eradicating uh, some diseases. And certainly this is one of the cases where a vaccine would be a game changer for us. So I think obviously it to be absolutely strongly encouraged, but it would only work, you know, if, if, if used collectively. Mm.
1: 2, 1.5 or 1, you know what I'm talking about here. It's a great debate around three numbers here. It is two metres at the moment, the social distancing. There's talk that it may go to 1.5 and there's a fair lobby. I see it uh, just before we came on air here. uh, The uh, public in uh, the Wittners representation are saying, look, we needed a metre. Are you are are you still on the two metre track yourself? So number one, there's nothing special
0: or, you know, think of about one or two metres. So the two metres was initially um, recommended because if you look at how the virus is transmitted, transmitted primarily through these liquid droplets. And as they leave the out, they tend to settle down and settle by gravity and they tend to settle sort of within a metre. So then the additional metre was added, you know, for maybe a little additional uh, comfort Um, now obviously the closer you get you do increase the risk so there is risk uh, associated with this so we we can certainly have shown and the data already shows that the social distancing that we have engaged with so far and sort of adhering strongly to that two metre separation that has worked really really well in terms of reducing the transmission of the virus so if we reduce that back to one there's obviously risk associated with that but I think something that is lost in all of this discussion is not only distance there are a number of other contexts So the other context is environment, so is it inside or outside? So certainly if it was outside, it's a lower risk than inside. If you're inside, if the room is ventilated, uh, obviously that reduces risk. But also in terms of the type of activity, and there's a number of reports now showing that the virus can be shed from sort of deep breathing to speaking, speaking softly, loudly, singing. And with those various, like shouting, those various activities are associated with increased transmission Of the virus and there have been some cases like for example in the US where early on in the pandemic there was a choir practice and one infected individual there ended up infecting 50 of the 60 people at that choir practice. So that shows you the type of activity and then the time spent together. So that idea of distance, the environment inside or outside, the type of activity and the time spent together. I think you have to put all of them together and then make a judgment call in terms of what's safe, not safe. But I think we should be doing that. We should be looking at those various risk factors and begin to look at, you know, looking at activities that may pose less risk, and especially less risk outside as we begin to talk about maybe children getting back, playing together, sports, things like that. I think we need to look at those risks and begin to evaluate how we begin to get back to some form of normal living.
1: Interesting, really interesting. So just before we finish today, yesterday was a momentous day, as you know, Paul, it was the first day since the first death was announced in Ireland that there was no deaths uh, attributed to COVID-19. The cases are consistently below 100 every day. Now, one slight blip, I think, in recent days, it's good news. However, you mentioned to me last week that we really need to be looking from midweek this week into the weekend. Timeframe from the phase one opening. Are you expecting it to continue in a downward trend, or will there be bumps along the road?
0: I myself would be helpful because I think I've said before to you, Jerry that if you look at the total lockdown that we moved to after the end of March, I think most of the effectiveness have taken place before that. So I think most of the social distancing, good hygiene, is, Uh, you know, lack of congregation of really large uh, numbers, I think that's been very effective. So I myself would probably be surprised if you saw the numbers increasing very significantly. If you look at a number of other countries that have actually left lockdown and progressed over the last three, four, five weeks from lockdown, uh, most of those countries, you haven't seen second waves as of yet. So, hopefully that will be the case uh, with ourselves so I'm hoping we won't see increased numbers and I'm hoping again we're still going to be adhering to social distancing as we have been for the last couple of weeks. So I would be surprised and certainly I hope that we won't see increased numbers.
1: And finally uh, the consideration is being given uh, in the next number of days to phase two and and that will come around in, in, in early June. As we are at the moment we should be on course, all going well, for phase two to be implemented.
0: Yeah, again, I'd be hopeful on that front, Jerry. Now, obviously, they'll be, that'll be determined in terms of if there's spikes or if there's unexpected increase in numbers, they may re- re-evaluate that. But I think our pace of exit from lockdown is very, very cautious, and it's quite slow. So I would be surprised if, if that pace was further delayed. I, I would be, so I'd, I'd be hoping actually that maybe we would begin to look, especially you know if the numbers continue to decrease, where we'd probably hasten our exit from, uh, obviously in a safe way, that we would actually probably shorten the, the exit period rather than prolong it even more.
1: Very positive. I'm happy, I have to say, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are today when they hear what you have to say, Paul. It's great to talk to you once more. Enjoy the lovely weather and we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much, Paul.
0: You too, Jerry. Take care.
1: That's Professor Paul Moyner there, Head of the Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Minute University. He's a terrific guy. He really is. So I hope that gives you a, a little greater insight into where we are and where we're going.